it opens the doors to possibilities because you're much more visible as well. When you're saying yes to more presentations, when you're looking for opportunities um, to showcase mm-hmm. your, your expertise and, um, you know, to showcase who you are as a professional, it'll open up many career opportunities for you. Welcome to the Manage Self, Lead Others Leadership Podcast with Nina Sunday for experienced and aspiring people managers. This show helps you explore ways to become a more intentional leader. Each episode, host Nina Sunday speaks with some of the brightest business minds on the planet who share a passion to elevate and transform team culture. Workplace culture hides in plain sight. Is yours flourishing? Join the movement to make your workplace a better place to work. Are you ready? Because it's time to manage self, lead others. Dynamic, inspiring, passionate, describe today's guest, Dr. Paula Smith, professional speaker and CSP, certified speaking professional, leadership coach and master trainer, three-time author of Presentation Principles, Neuropresenting and The Leadership Conversation, Dr. Paula is a leading expert in powerful presenting and a lead TEDx speaker coach. With a bachelor's degree in training and development, a master's in leadership and a PhD in organizational leadership, Dr. Paula is uniquely qualified to speak about our theme today, presentation intelligence for powerful presenting and leadership communication. It is my pleasure to welcome my friend for many years from Perth, Australia, Dr. Paula Smith. Hello, Nina. The planets have finally aligned and we're doing this. <laughs> We've been speaking about doing this for a while. And I know that you you are an expert in many things and you are just a channel for ideas whenever we've had some uh, chats about, you know, what to do and how to do it. But you've registered a, a trademark called Presentation Intelligence. So you've identified this specific intelligence for presenting and communication. So tell us a bit more about that, please, Paula. Well, presentation intelligence is about leadership from the front of the room. So it's about powerful presenting. And and yes, like you said, it's not that I identified a new intelligence. So, but uh, we all know about multiple intelligences as well. So presentation intelligence uh, is about uh, social intelligence. It's about emotional intelligence. It's about IQ. It's about human behaviour. So it's all about models and theories and frameworks uh, all put into a beautiful body of work called presentation intelligence which I said is leadership from the front of the room. Absolutely, because if you do know Gardner's multiple intelligences, of which there were eight and I think there's now nine, one one it probably combines, it's combining kinetic intelligence, which is all about movement because you want uh, you want to move in a way that's intentional and, uh, and, and gives uh, or underlines or emphasises the point you're making. It's... It requires interpersonal uh, intelligence because you you need to be able to use eye contact to actually land on people in the room and not, well, let me ask you, is it a myth that if you are feeling a bit nervous, you could just stare at the back of the room and pretend you're looking at people? (laughs) (laughs) Definitely a myth. There's a lot of myths around presenting. (laughs) I laughed at that one. You still read it. It's like... Duh. No, <laughs> look it's at a, people. 
Look at people. <laughs> exactly. Look, yeah, look at people and, uh, yeah, and you do need to be in the right mindset before you take that platform or before you walk into that room to present. You don't have to be frenetic unless I suppose that is your trademark but you're also experienced. But if you're not an experienced person, I think the the my my attitude is you can take it slow because people take time to to ta- take in the points you're making it gives you time to think so you don't have to speak a million miles an hour which which was my big failing when i was a rookie presenter <laughs> What's your I thoughts think it's on another, that? Yeah, another one of those myths is you have to have this outgoing personality to be yeah. a powerful presenter, and that's not necessarily true. In fact, some of my favourite presenters are introverts and very quietly spoken, but it's the way they structure their presentation, the way they have their messaging in place. And, uh, yeah, it's definitely not the singing, tap-dancing type of presenter that appeals to everybody. And like you said, unless it's that's your brand. Yes. And, uh, yeah, and we have to speak at a pace where we know where we're going and we know what we're meaning, but the audience's brain has to catch up to what that's we're right. saying. So do you have any tips on on specifically on, on how to open? <laughs> Ah, so uh, the opening is a biggie. Yeah. So uh, the typical opening that people say is, hello, everyone, my name is Paula and welcome to Presentation Skills. um, (laughs) What's a better way to open? (laughs) Well, if you learn nothing else on this podcast, don't open a presentation like that. So we want to give the audience what they don't expect. So the opening is what we call a PowerPoint, not as in the, the slideshow PowerPoint, but it's a power moment. There's a rule of primacy and recency, which suggests that the audience remember the first things that they hear and also the last things that they hear. So your opening has to get attention and also incite a little bit of curiosity right from the moment that you speak. Yes. Well, so you're saying to awaken curiosity, is that asking a provocative question or... Or what do now, you think? Questions are wonderful and questions can be dangerous. So oh. we ask a type of question. So a rhetorical question is wonderful, yes. but we don't want to lose the control of our, our opening as well. So we can't control what our audience are going to say back to us. So rhetorical questions are wonderful. Stories are another amazing way of yes. opening a presentation. Uh, statistics as well, like a startling statistic. Right. Uh, even taking your audience somewhere. So imagine is, an, is another way. But uh, also avoid asking the audience uh, to do anything before you've built rapport. So uh, ask, you know, those presenters that come in, the second they get there, they go, stand up, sit down, turn around, you know, give somebody a high five. And uh, and some people will be okay with that. But there's a huge percentage of the room that's not going, you please don't, you know, ask me to do anything or boss me around. I don't even know who you are. So before we ask anything of our audience, it's a great idea to build a little rapport and give something of yourself first. Yeah. What do you think is the biggest mistake presenters make? And like now we're talking now, uh, let's just define presenting. It could be standing up at a meeting or, well, just standing up at a meeting as opposed to sitting down at a meeting and make giving a, a, a summary or something like that. You'd recommend standing, wouldn't you, if you had to give some sort of official uh, communication at a meeting that gives you more power? 
it's not not always. Not always. So we, we assume that everybody can stand up. That's not oh, always that's the case. True. That's true. <laughs> and so depend everything is depends on the on the yeah, situation yeah, yeah. as well. But yes, most times we we do stand up. So when we're talking about the word presenting, that's why I like to say it's leadership from the front of the room because right. that could be facilitating a meeting, speaking at a conference, addressing the team, even running a masterclass or a workshop. It's all about leadership from the front of the room. People often have nerves, but also tell other people that they're nervous. Is that a big mistake too? It's like you're telling your subconscious you're nervous, like by by overemphasizing it. It's like an apology from the platform. We never apologize oh. from the platform. No. And so, uh, of course, unless you do something you know, terrible, but most of us don't. But no, we don't want to tell people we're nervous. Most of the time people don't realize it's about your preparation beforehand and getting in the, the right mindset. So when you're coming out, it's not about you. You've got to be fully present for your gift for the audience. So your nerves are none of anyone else's business. And I think I think it goes back to stop being self-conscious really focus on the message you're communicating and it's how it's being received by the people you're communicating to because you're giving them the gift of your time and your your knowledge or whatever it is information you're sharing don't think about what are they thinking about me it's like think about how the how you're making an impact or making a contribution to the people you're communicating with is that is that easier said than done? <laughs> it is. <laughs> and I think I've been doing this for about 37 years now. <laughs> and, and of course, most people, when they ring and ask for help, it's because of their nerves. Look, many times it's like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't know how to structure it. I need some help. I can, this is important. I have to nail it. But most of the times people talk to me about the, their level of nervousness and fear and about public speaking. Um, so it's it's real for so many people. And, of course, there's lots and lots of strategies that we can help them at work with that fear. Uh, look, we have glossophobia. That's that real phobia of public speaking. So that's the really unhealthy nerves. But most yeah. of us have just healthy nerves, which means that we care. And healthy yeah. nerves uh, are just easier to work with. And like you said, it is about getting out of our heads and, uh, and just being fully present for our audience. Uh, but those nerves are real and there's definitely strategies uh, to overcome or not even overcome them, but to work with those nerves so they're not distracting us from the job that we're meant to be doing. And I sometimes find, uh, for want of a better term, rookie presenters often are tight in their gestures. They hold their arms either stiff and still instead of just freeing themselves up to sort of express themselves as they organically feel. It's got to be natural, natural, authentic and engaging. And talking about rookie mistakes, I remember when I was a rookie, I had five minutes to stand up after dinner to speak to 80 women at this networking club, and I was a member, and I decided to memorise my five minutes, and I know I was what they call in acting wooden because yeah. I was so stiff and trying to, my focus was on remembering what I had memorised Instead of, as I said before, focusing on what am I communicating and being authentic in the 
in the order in which I present it. Memorising is okay, again, for some, some very small presentations. Right. Things like your opening, it's great to, to, you've got to nail that opening, nail that closing. And sometimes we have to um, we have to really craft our signature stories as well. But we have to put in practice what we call our flexpertise. And the, those flexpertise okay. is every audience we have in front of us is different. So we have to sometimes stop and say, I'm looking around the room, you're looking at me quite blankly. Let me put that another way how could you possibly do that if you're memorizing word for word yes and also it's it's being um aware and also vulnerable enough to say hmm i i i I have a feeling that might not be uh fully understood so let me let me go a little bit deep i think when we're talking about like leadership communication and uh clarity transparency and empathy and authenticity are those things that are really critical if we want to connect with our audience. If we don't connect with our audience and we lose that ability to influence our audience in any way. So uh, building rapport is absolutely critical. Rapport, yes. Yeah. That's a great rapport, word. Rapport, connection. So, And we can only do that by being human ourselves. Are there any phrases that cultivate rapport or that Break rapport. Well, we talked about some of those red flags, or we have red flag language. So the presenter that says, I'm going to tell you what to do. So uh, no one wants to be told what to do. But when you reframe that and say, I'm going to share my experience, then it becomes a gift. Hmm. Yeah. The uh, language like you must, you should, they're all red flag words that we should use when we're trying to influence others because that rapport is broken. And, uh, and like I said, it's the last thing we want to do is break rapport. Mm, so mm. We, we share, we suggest, we, we give something of ourselves. So we've got to frame it as a gift for the audience. What our, what our audience wants to do with that gift is totally up to them. We're not entertainers up there in a business context. That's right. So um, we have to craft our presentation, structure our presentation with very clear messages and outcomes in mind, which will eventually or result in behavioural change. Yeah, so it's moving away from the language of command and moving more into the language of possibility. So I recommend, I suggest. And what that does is it keeps open the perception of choice with your audience. So they're choosing to follow your advice. They're not being compelled because you told them they must. Now, are there any rules around stories, like they shouldn't be too long or um, they should follow a certain template or or have certain feature framework, a certain framework? There's many different uh, frameworks and structures around stories right. and it all depends which ones that, you know, you choose to mm. use for the particular purpose. But stories have to be relevant. So that's probably the biggest, when you say the biggest mistakes that presenters make when it comes to stories, they tell long-winded stories that are not relevant to the point. And uh, are there any trends in in PowerPoint design that you're seeing coming through? Uh, Trends. There's lots of interesting um, uh, presentations, designs. You can generally see the new presenters who have just discovered slideshow uh, um, software for the first time and they've experimented with everything, you know, flying in, flying out, et cetera. That just becomes extremely distracting. Mm. So I have like my my 20 slideshow rules <laughs> and they're, when I say rules, all rules are meant to be broken, but it certainly provides some, some guidelines about putting together uh, an effective and engaging slideshow because they might not use PowerPoint, they might use, you know, Keynote or Prezi. But again, yeah. simplicity, beautiful images, 
not too many words because yes. if your slides are filled with words and you're speaking, somebody's brain cannot actually process two voices at the same time. That's right. So they can't read and listen to you at the same time. They can switch, they can listen to you, then start reading and then listen to you. But our brains can process a beautiful image and your voice at the same yes. time. So let, let the slide with a keyword or just the image trigger your ability to tell the information from the heart, you know, in, a, in an authentic way. Do you, you don't still see people thinking it's okay to turn around and read the con the words off a slide, do you? I see it every day, every day. <laughs> and and you know why, Nina? It's because nobody was born with these skills. Right. So sometimes we've, we've, we've been put into a GM's role or even a CEO's mm. role or even these guys who are doing the, the pre-starts and girls, of course, and they're doing these pre-starts and they're saying, run this meeting, uh, present at this conference. And then they come to me terrified and I say, well, what type of training have you had in this? And they say, none. I go, what other job would you do out there with no training? So these poor people are beating themselves up, thinking they're incompetent in some way, but they've never been trained on how to deliver a powerful and impactful presentation. They mm. are skills. But the good news is, is anyone can learn how to be a powerful presenter. Absolutely. Anyone can learn them. Absolutely, because I can remember when I was at film school and I, I was the director of the film and we won some award, the film won an award, I did not rehearse I went up to the lectern and I just I just spoke a million miles an hour. I thanked everybody, but there was a part of me that just went, well, I just have to be as really be speak as really fast as possible because no one's ever going to listen to me if I <laughs> if I if I take too long. And that was I self-selected the the message there. I went, I promise I will never do that again. And the other thing is I should have rehearsed my thank you speech. I didn't rehearse it. Yeah. I thought about it in my head, but I didn't actually speak it out loud ahead of the time. And rehearsing and the preparation is always evident. You can just see how prepared mm. that a presenter is. So definitely prepare, rehearse, uh, use some really great structures. It makes your planning and preparation much easier as, as well, proven structures that is. <laughs> so uh, your structures that you can use, you know, every time. Uh, sometimes people think that a, a structure will restrict them, but a, a really good proven structure will actually set them free. It just gives them more confidence that they know that they're doing a great job. Yes. Uh, on the uh, on the occasions that I deliver presentation skills to, to my clients, one of the things I point out is you have to do the work. Because I, th I think sometimes when people are employed, they go, well, they should pay me to rehearse in my own time, but if they don't pay me to rehearse, I'm not going to do it. It's like, hang on, this is your career we're talking about. <laughs> What's that cliche or that saying? How you do everything is how you do everything. <laughs> so, yes. yeah. Yeah, sometimes you have to put in some discretionary effort to actually come across as a really confident and competent presenter, and uh, it's you that benefits because you take this skill to your next role whether it be the same company or or another company and presenting is a life skill and just invest time in it when you if you've got a booking uh, or an event coming up an appointment to speak rehearse practice it, it is a critical leadership skill now in the modern workplace yes. 
Yeah, absolutely and, critical. And I've seen evidence that people that can demonstrate on their CV that they have done some presenting and they're capable of doing it can command a higher salary than those that that say, oh, no, I hate public speaking. I mean, what what a career-limiting statement that is. <laughs> It opens the doors to possibilities because you're much more visible as well. When you're saying yes to more presentations, when you're looking for opportunities um, to showcase mm-hmm. your, your expertise and, um, you know, to showcase who you are as a professional, it'll open up many career opportunities for you. One of the little gaps that I've noticed is that people might prepare the opening and prepare the middle and prepare the slideshow, but how they end often is like shooting themselves in the foot. <laughs> what well, are we you talk about those power moments, you know, the opening and the closing. Yeah. So never end a presentation with Q&A. Of course, 90% of your presentations, oh. they end with Q&A. So the Q&A gets embedded towards the end of the presentation. Right. But your key messages, your final words come from you. You have to be in control of your final words in the presentation because it's the last thing your audience is going to hear. Oh, that's good. So you you can say something like, or you can uh, cue if you've got any sort of an MC or or, or uh, chairperson. You can say, look, I am going to open up to questions, but then I will actually then have a final uh, final word to say to people. So, and you can, and if you, there is no MC or chairperson, you can say, I'll open up the floor to questions before I uh, give you my closing remarks or my final my final comment something like that you don't even have to say that you just come to that part again you've structured it so you know is there anything else that I can help you with today is there any questions etc etc and then after the final question because most people say I have time for one more question or an MC or go Paula's got time for one question Mm -hmm. and then you say your final your final words your powerful closing and we can sometimes use what we call the loop it effect as well so we can loop it back to our opening as well oh yes yes it doesn't have to be the same words but if we were talking about um, changing the way that we deal with road safety for instance and we've started with a startling statistic at the beginning, when we come all the way to the end, we can repeat that statistic and then end with, but if we all work together, perhaps we can shift that statistic to zero or something like that. All right, looping back to us when we spoke about gestures, we didn't actually speak about movement and, you know, whether you change position or or even how to stand. So you've got any comments on, on, on are there any points of which you it's logical to move from one spot to another uh, any of our movements should not be distracting we mm. have this thing called grounding in fact when I train my, my TED speakers uh, and even when I'm training my TED coaches who train TED speakers so one of the the first lessons we do is what we call grounding and grounding is the stillness is power in stillness there's certain times in your presentation that we need to practice grounding which is standing in one spot let our our, our hands and our bodies and our vocal variety be the engaging tool and we do not have to move our feet and and sway and pace it doesn't mean we have to stay there for the entire presentation yeah. we can certainly move but move with purpose 
and uh, we choreograph it, but we don't want our audience to see the choreography. No. <laughs> what I said before is when they, when you see the coaching and then you've gone too far. So we still it still has to come across very natural, but we have to still move with purpose and, uh, and as long as it's not distracting. Now, if you ever want to see an amazing person, watch any four-year-old do show and tell. It's oh. so beautiful to watch. Oh. So their eyes are big. They have beautiful vocal variety. That when they're talking about their big truck that they got for Christmas, they're using these natural hand movements. If only we could capture that. So because it's so authentic, it's real, they're showing their excitement, that's how we need to show up on stage. Mm. Yes, vocal variety. So some, some speakers don't know they're monotone, do they? <laughs> <laughs> now, sometimes we can use um, our monotone ways mm. when it's appropriate. Mm. Sometimes we can use whispers when it's appropriate. Sometimes yeah. we have to change our tone when we're moving to a different story, but we have to be aware of how we're using our tool. I love the power of a whisper. Yes. Mm. Uh, at least in once, if, if I've got a, a large, if it's a large uh, group, and it's like an hour presentation, there's always one point where I have a whisper. <laughs> and it makes people hang on to every word. That's right. But what do you find is the biggest uh, mistake these uh, anyone leading a, an online meeting is making? Uh, again, preparation as well. Mm. And so the preparation definitely, uh, I guess, working with with a camera. <laughs> so it, it's yeah. easy just when we're having this conversation. Of course, you know, we're looking at each other's faces as well. So, but there is yeah. a camera, you know, there as well. Um, and to make it really engaging. Yeah. Um, so it's not just about um, the technology. I think when COVID happened, especially in the professional speaking circles, we got a little bit obsessed with the technology. So where sometimes it is, it's low techno- technology, but high impact. So sometimes yeah. I'd just even grab my flip chart out, use my obviously my big markers, and uh, and I would stand as if I was at the front of the room. Sometimes I'm sitting. Sometimes I'm using my flip chart. Sometimes I'm yeah. sharing my screen. But we don't need to get obsessed with the technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to get obsessed with connecting with our audience, whether that's online or face to face. It is all about the connection, not about the technology. And I also have discovered that when uh, when there is a say I'm doing an online meeting for a company to with with attendees participants, I'm surprised at the number of participants who aren't sitting with uh, their full face in the camera. Like sometimes it's like you can only see like their nose and above. There's all this headroom. Uh, they haven't thought about their background. They're just wearing a, a an old T-shirt and it's like this is a business meeting. Do you th- find that people have become, they're not thinking about the, the context of their image in the rectangle? So my question is always, how would, sh- how would you show up to the boardroom? And I know That's that right. over COVID we have become a little bit more relaxed uh, with what, what we're wearing uh, in, our, in our business meetings. But like you said, it is a business meeting. And, um, and yes, we all got a bit nosy about having a look at people's backgrounds and having a look at where they live. And it, and it did sort of open up that little bit of transparency that we could see our boss's house and, and the kids running past. So, But at the end of the day, it's still a professional work 
workplace, mm. even whether that's online and mm. talking about those cameras is like we could forgive people earlier on in the piece when, you know, they were the cameras were looking up their noses and, and, we, and we did have terrible backgrounds. But, you know, we're a couple of years into it now. Mm. So it's, it's again, it's, it's a skill and it's a professional expectation that we know how to behave over a virtual meeting. We should have our cameras at eye level. We should be dressed appropriately. We should have the appropriate backgrounds. That's and if my we don't have too. the appropriate background, you can have a plain white wall with a plant. And that's, you know, simple, simple background. Yeah. I don't think too many people will, will, will struggle with that. And I'm pretty confident yours is an authentic background. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, this is my office. <laughs> I know. Uh, we, we've Zoomed before, so I know that is your actual office. And uh, this is an actual TV. And it was you that gave me the advice, get yourself a big TV and then with an Apple TV or Chromecast or whatever, you can send a, an image wirelessly to the TV. And I went, oh, that's a great idea. That's what I do now. So thank you, Dr. Paula. You're and welcome. Just, just yeah. finally, just in closing, is there a question about presenting and communicating from the front that I haven't asked you yet that you would like to share a tip or a, or a tactic with the listeners? So I think powerful presenting yeah. is art, it's science, and it's practice. And all of those three things have to be taken into consideration. And, and I guess my, my final words... <laughs> As my powerful closing <laughs> is uh, definitely start saying yes to more opportunities to speak. So the more you speak, the more visible you are. It is a critical skill to learn and master, and you will never be able to unlearn powerful presenting skills. You know, that's my feeling exactly. Every now and again, I've been invited to speak on a particular topic and I go, really? And then I go into it and I prepare and I went, I'm uniquely qualified to deliver this topic. I'm glad I was asked. <laughs> you wouldn't have been asked if you weren't, if the person asking you didn't think you were uniquely qualified. So just accept, just say yes. <laughs> and I it agree. doesn't mean you have to be the, the most experienced expert out there, but you still have to have a gift for the audience. So if you yeah. don't believe you have a okay. gift, then you don't have a right to take the floor. But many of us, most of us, have something worthy to share with our audience mm. that is going to improve the lives of our audience. Oh, and you know what I do like when we go, when we all gather together for someone's uh, amazing birthday or some amazing event. I love it when someone decides to lead the group with, like, a big picture announcement about. Yes, well, we're all here to celebrate um, Melanie achieving her uh, her law degree and. And I remember when Melody was decided, and that whole thing about giving a story and, and letting everybody sort of uh, join together to acknowledge or celebrate an event. I just think it's wonderful when someone steps up to the plate and says, yes, I'm going to speak to the group. And it's having the confidence and skill to be able to do that. That's right. So do, do more, say yes more, and get practised and uh, uh well, look, it's been marvellous speaking with you, Paula, so we'll close the conversation there. I'm sure uh, there's been lots of pearls of wisdom for our listeners and viewers. So thank you so much for being on Manage Self, Lead Others. That You are very welcome and uh, happy presenting, everyone. Thank you. Today's guest was Dr. Paula Smith, who developed the first Presentation Skills Diploma Qualification in Australia and now the world-first qualification in neuropresenting 
a leading-edge, brain-friendly presenting and training program and is the founding researcher of Presentation Intelligence. Dr. Smith continues to work with large organisations and government departments. Nina Sunday is on a mission, helping leaders transform culture. Nina travels from Brisbane, Australia for in-person presentations Australia-wide. Certified virtual presenter, Nina Sunday presents virtually, globally, for any time zone. To book Nina Sunday CSP to speak at your conference, visit ninasunday.com to request a proposal. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.